Hello, this is Jay Lewis, and welcome to the Old Radio Companion. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum invite you to enjoy life, life with Luigi. The four dealers of America present the Fred Allen Show. The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Murray Livingston, Rochester, Dennis Day, Bob Crosby, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The makers of Chase and Sanford Coffee and Royal Puddings bring you the Charlie McCarthy Show. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another show. And, well, today's show is called We're Live. But, no, we aren't live because these are all pre-recorded. but it doesn't mean we're dead either, okay? So, how many mistakes I make in this show? Uh, you would think it was live, but, nope, it's not. I edit all this stuff out. But anyway, I'm happy you're with me today, and I hope you all had a good Father's Day. Hope all your dads, all you dads out there got pampered, and or however you uh, celebrated Father's Day, I hope it was a good one for you. But today we do have a great show, and uh, our show is all about live shows, and those eventful, life-changing events that happened live on the radio in our broadcasting history, and all over the country and all over the world, they heard it. Uh, just for the first time as it was all happening. Well, anyway, before we get started with the show, though, I have a question for all you guys, okay? All you people out there, all my listeners. So are you one of those people that go along with the herd? I mean, do you are you a conformist? Do you go along with everybody else where they're going? Or do you kind of like go the opposite direction, do your own thing? You kind of go, you know, you go dance to a different drum, so to speak. Well, anyway, I have a reason I'm bringing this up because um, I am this way about movies. So I, you know how I kind of vent about stuff. I've talked to you guys about the gym and different things I always go through in life. But I was thinking about the movies the other day because I just figured out that there's so many movies out there now that I really don't like. And it's not that I like, I hate every movie because I just saw the new uh, Flash movie by DC. I thought it was pretty good and, you know, I enjoyed it and all that. So I do like some new movies that come out, but there's just been movies in the past where I don't really like them. And it just seems like the movies that I don't like everybody loves. So it's like everybody loves the movie and it's like, oh, it's so amazing. And then I don't like it. So the reason it came up was because I had visited my family a few months ago. Um, I have family that lived down in uh, Nevada and I went and visited them and I stayed with one of my nieces and we were talking and laughing one night about stuff and we were starting to talk about movies. And I was telling her about how there's all these like Pinnacle, amazing blockbuster movies that everybody likes, but I hate. And so anyway, when I mention these movies, I always get the same reaction. It's like, you know, they'll be like, hey, did you like, you know, this movie, you know? And I'll be like, uh, no, nah, I didn't really like it. What? You hated it? I can't believe it. Jay, what's wrong with you? What? You know, and I feel like I crucified Jesus himself. You know, they just get so uh, angry and upset at me that I didn't like this movie. So my niece and I were laughing and talking about how picky about movies I am. And so I came up with these. So I thought about the movies that everybody seems to like. And so anyway, if you out there, if you have a movie that you like and everybody else hated it, I want you to write me at the email address for the show. So the email uh, for the show is the old radio companion at gmail.com. It's all one word, the old radio companion at gmail.com. And tell me about that movie. But I have a list of these three that I don't like that everybody loves. And these are all blockbuster movies, okay? And I guess I did not contribute. <laughs> to the blockbusterness of these movies. So the first one, and I will guarantee when I say this movie, you're all going to be like, what? But um, I did not like, 
You ready? Did not like the Titanic. Yep, did not like it. The Blockbuster by James Cameron. Yours truly, Jerry Lewis, did not like it. Now, you know, and it was one of those things where, you know, you already kind of know how it's going to end. You know, big boat, hits an iceberg, it sinks, people die. But then that was not enough. They had to make it like, you know, a a love story or whatever. So anyway, yeah, was not a fan. Okay, the next one. Yep, everybody loves this movie. It was a big blockbuster, Air Force blockbuster movie with Tom Cruise. Can you guess what it is? Top Gun. Yes. Nope. I did not like it. I'm out. And what was funny is when I was uh, visiting my family, my niece made me watch the second one, The Maverick. And I was like, well, I didn't like the first one. And yes, you guessed it. (laughs) I did not like the second one. Okay, the next one. Blockbuster movie, lifetime gross blockbuster of all time. It was very popular. It still is. They actually made, I think they're on a third one now, Avatar. Everybody loved Avatar. Jay Lewis, not a fan. I know, I told you it was bad. But what's funny is all these movies I've mentioned that I don't like, they're all top grossing box office movies. Yeah, so I don't go along with the crowd with the movies. But anyway, just had to tell you about all that. Anyway, thanks for listening. I appreciate you all being there for me. (laughs) Okay, let's get on with the show, okay? So like I said, we're going to be talking about some very interesting historical events that happened live on radio as it was happening. And, you know, there's really something exciting about live broadcast because you realize that it's happening right at that moment and everybody listening to the radio. You can just picture everybody huddled around the radio or wherever they are in a coffee shop or, you know, wherever they are. They're hearing this for the, you know, like live as it's happening. So anyway, the first one we're going to be looking at is the Hindenburg Explosion. So we're going to listen to a live broadcast. And this is an amazing broadcast because you can just hear it. Uh, It was recorded live by a Herbert Herbert Morrison, and he was a broadcaster. And and he, you can just hear it in his voice. You can just hear the anguish of what he's seen happening in front of him. And if you don't know what the Hindenburg is, uh, it's the German Zeppelin that was a commercial passenger aircraft, and it was coming uh, into New Jersey, and it exploded. And so let's listen to a clip right now. It's starting to rain again. The rain had uh, cracked up a little bit. The back motors of the ship are just holding it uh, just enough to keep it from... It burst into flames. Get it started. Get it started. It's flying and it's rising. It's rising terrible. Oh, my. Get out of the way, please. It's burning, bursting into flames and, and it's falling on the morning fast. And all the folks between us, this is terrible. This is the one of the worst catastrophes in the world. Oh, it's, 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 it's like 20, oh, four or five hundred feet into the sky and it... It's a terrific crash, ladies and gentlemen. The smoke and the flames now, and the flames crashing to the ground, not quite to the mooring mass. All the humanity and all the furniture speeding around it. I told you, I can't even talk to people. The friends are out there. It's a, it's, it's a, oh. I, I can't talk, ladies and gentlemen. Honestly, just laying there, massive smoking wreckage. And everybody can't hardly breathe and talk and screaming. Lady, I'm sorry. Honestly, I I can hardly breathe. I'm going to step inside while I cannot see it. (laughs) Charlie, that's terrible. I I can't. Listen, folks, I'm going to have to stop for a minute because I've lost the voice. This is the worst thing I've ever witnessed. Wow, what an amazing clip that was, huh? And the Hindenburg, um, like I said, was the German Zeppelin. That was used as a commercial aircraft. Um, It was built by the Zeppelin Airline Company in Germany. And it was named the Hindenburg because it was named after Paul von Hindenburg, who was the German president from 1924 to 1934. So the ship was coming into Manchester Township, New Jersey, and it was coming in on May 6th, 1937. And it was coming down to land. It exploded killing 35 people, which included passengers and crew. And it even, um, I think, killed somebody on the ground as it was, and all the debris was falling. And the cause of the explosion was unknown. The theory is it was sabotage And somebody or somebody shot at it to release the gas or they ignited it inside. But they definitely uh, suspect sabotage. 
All right. The next one is the War of the Worlds broadcast. And listening to this, you wouldn't have thought it would be anything to worry about. And it doesn't seem to be any cause for alarm. But at the time it was broadcasted, well, that wasn't the case. Let's listen. The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells. We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's and yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacence, people went to and fro over the earth about their little affairs, serene in the assurance of their dominion over this small, spinning fragment of solar driftwood, which by chance or design, man has inherited out of the dark mystery of time and space. Yet across an immense ethereal gulf, minds that are to our minds as ours are to the beasts in the jungle, Intellects, vast, cool, and unsympathetic, regarded this earth with envious eyes and slowly and surely drew their plans against us. The War of the Worlds broadcast on CBS radio uh, it was made famous by the famous Orson Welles. And it came on the air on October 30th, 1938. And it was intended for entertainment purposes only. But it was supposed to be just a scary thing for Halloween. And Orson was just playing with this whole thing with the whole cast. Uh, It was just a play and it was just for fun. But the whole world outside, no. To them, it was a real news broadcast. It was broadcasting and giving live events about this alien invasion from Mars. The show was the Mercury Theater. And the problem was that the broadcast was done in such a real way that people who had not tuned in from the beginning, well, I guess there were people that even were listening from the beginning and thought it was real, but people that was just tuned in thought it was a real invasion from Mars. The broadcast uh, brought on such serious panic And it's interesting to see that later on after the broadcast and all this stuff happened, that there actually, it was argued that there wasn't as much panic or there shouldn't have been. But nevertheless, Orson Welles got into trouble and he had to apologize for the broadcast. So the show was so good. Yes, all the listeners were really convinced that Martians were invading Earth. Orson had to broadcast an apology and that was about it. Well, it made great live radio Uh, history. The next uh, clip we have, although this didn't really have to do with anything bad or any uh, thing that lost life or anything like that, but it was a struggle for the United States at the time. These These live radio broadcasts were called the Fireside Chats, and they were done by the president of the time, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The reason for the personal chats on live radio was for the American people, and they really came about because of two really serious, significant events. These were the Great Depression and the Second World War. These chats uh, started in March 12th of 1933 and ran to June 12th of 1944. And these personal chats were really for the reason to comfort the American people and to let them know that their leader was there and that they were all in it together. He talked about the Depression and also tried to comfort the American people. He also talked about banking and some of the things that the American people could do to get through these really hard times. FDR started these live radio broadcasts, and there's never been anything since then. It was really a pioneering time in radio broadcasting. So listen, let's listen to a clip from the Fireside Chat from FDR. My countrymen and my friends, tonight... My single duty is to speak to the whole of America. Until 4.30 o'clock this morning, I had hoped against hope that some miracle would prevent a devastating war in Europe and bring to an end the invasion of Poland by Germany. For four long years, a succession of actual wars 
and constant crises have shaken the entire world and have threatened in each case to bring on the gigantic conflict, which is today unhappily a fact. It is right that I should recall to your minds the consistent and at times successful efforts of your government in these crises to throw the full weight of the United States into the cause of peace. The next live radio broadcast is from a very important event in history, and that was the attack on Pearl Harbor. It made such a huge impact on our country, and this was when the Japanese Empire attacked the U.S. base in Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. This led to the United States officially entering the Second World War. This is an amazing radio broadcast as it was brought to Americans and a lot of people around the world to bring the war to them in a very real way. Let's listen now. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. The Japanese have attacked Pearl Harbor, Hawaii by air, President Roosevelt has just announced. The attack also was made on all naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. We take you now to Washington. The details are not available. They will be in a few minutes. The White House is now giving out a statement. The attack apparently was made on all naval and on naval and military activities on the principal island of Oahu. The president's brief statement was read to reporters by Stephen Early, the president's secretary. The next really important clip has to do with the previous one, but this happened afterwards. And this is the Japanese officially surrendering and the war was over. This is known as the Hirohito Surrender. This was the first time that a Japanese official such as this had ever used the radio broadcast for any reason. The Japanese Emperor Hirohito broadcasted that his country officially surrendered to Allied forces on August 15, 1945. On this broadcast, he accepted the terms and the unconditional surrender. This came about because America had bombed Japan and uh, dropped a nuclear bomb both on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The bombings with nuclear bombs ended the war and caused the surrender. Let's listen to that broadcast now. The Japanese have accepted our terms fully. That is the word we have just received from the White House in Washington. And I didn't expect to hear a celebration here in our newsroom in New York, but you can hear one going on behind me. We switched to London. I don't know what happened. I'm not even sure whether you heard the first words of Prime Minister Attlee or not. I couldn't hear anything in our speaker here with the confusion. Suddenly we got the word from our private telephone wire from the White House in Washington. The Japanese have accepted fully the surrender terms of the United Nations This, ladies and gentlemen, is the end of the Second World War. It is not, of course, the official VJ Day, but the United Nations on land, on sea, on air, to the four corners of the earth and the seven seas are united and are victorious. No details yet. The news machine's beginning to tick away after a brief pause. Uh, We did not get that information from the press associations. It came on our private wire from the White House. Now it's beginning to come. Bulletin AP, Washington, August 14th. President Truman announced at 7 p.m. Eastern War Time tonight, and it stops Flash on the INS, or is it UP? MacArthur appointed Jap boss. Flash, MacArthur appointed Jap boss. Is that uh, UP or INS? INS, Beth, thank you. International News Service, I'd like to credit the sources. International News Service flashes the word that General MacArthur is supreme over the Emperor of Japan. He becomes uh, the Allied boss. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to those clips. I think these are all amazing. Those were all really impacting and important uh, times in our American history. And to have them uh, broadcasted live like that, I'm just so uh, listening to those. I was really happy that we still have those, that we can listen and uh, really learn about our history. But anyway, I just thought those were great. I hope you enjoyed those. And now a word from the sponsor from the past. Kids, let's sing that song you like, the one about the sugar cane. Okay! C and H, C and H, everyone sing about C and H. It's the only pure cane sugar from Hawaii. That's our sugar! 
C and H, C and H. Mommy used it to bake her cakes. She makes the greatest cookies, snacks, and candy. They're dandy and dandy. Island kids all love that cane. It grows so clean and sweet. They eat it when it's freshly cut. And then that's quite a treat. Today on The Scoop, we feature a newsreel about Hollywood's effort to support the war effort in the 1940s. In time of war as in time of peace, an industry close to the heart and pocketbook of the American public is show business, whose pulse is Broadway but whose nerve system spreads over a large portion of the globe. For nearly four decades, the gaudy doings of the men and women of show business have been reported to the world by Variety, a weekly theatrical paper edited from an inconspicuous building off-Broadway by men who carry on in their own way the colorful journalistic tradition of its founder, the late great Syme Silverman, osteopath of the English language, and inventor of some of the most unfettered journalese ever to be set in type. Today's show, we feature the Jack Benny Radio Show. The show is titled, Jack Opens the Swimming Pool. It originally aired April 18, 1943. Enjoy this great radio show and one of my personal favorites, Jack Benny. Jack decides it's time to open the swimming pool for the season... And, well, you know it won't be that simple with Jack, and it'll cost you. Well, anyway, I hope you laugh and enjoy Jack, Benny, and the gang. Enjoy the show. The Grape Nuts Flakes program starring Jack, Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Dennis Day, Rochester, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Somebody says what America needs is more smiles for breakfast. So here's your old friend, Doc Wilson, right on the job with news of how to achieve more breakfast smiles. Perfectly simple. Just serve more tempting, satisfying breakfast. Breakfast that feature grape nuts flakes. Now, perhaps the best way to describe grape nuts flakes is that they give you such a feeling of well-being with which to start the day. Grape nuts flakes start right in tempting the eye, then they tempt the taste. Crisp, toasty brown texture... Maldy rich, sweet as a nut flavor. The famous grape nuts flavor in toasty brown flake form. But don't forget, grape nuts flakes are a whole grain cereal. So beneath all their crisp, lighthearted goodness, there's plenty of hearty whole grain nourishment. So for more smiles, per family, per breakfast, per budget, better make it thrifty grape nuts flakes every morning. <laughs> the Navy, played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we would like you to take you to the backyard of Jack Benny's home in Beverly Hills, where Jack has been spending a great deal of time the past week out in the open air. It's uh, yesterday morning. Take it away, Beverly Hills. Oh, gosh, it's beautiful out here today. You know, Rochester, there's nothing like spring in Southern California. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where else can you see flowers in full bloom in the middle of April? Uh-huh. <laughs> Where else can you sit out in the open beside your swimming pool and feel those hot rays beating down? 
You better turn off that sunlamp, boss. You're cooked. <laughs> yeah, I guess I've had enough. I don't want to get too much all at once. I'm the type that freckles. Me too. You'll have to take my word for it. <laughs> now, Rochester, pull the sun lamp back in the bushes and cover it with palm leaves. Leave it right out in the open, boss. The heck with the Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> Covered with palm leaves. And by the way, Rochester, how's our victory garden coming along? Oh, fine, boss. Mr. Coleman's chickens were over early this morning and weeded it for us. <laughs> Ronald Coleman's chicken? Rochester, I told you to fix that hole in the fence. I did. Even the big fat ones can get through now. <laughs> I mean, block it. Those darn chickens will scratch up all the seed. Let's get this straightened out, boss. Is our objective carrots, peas, or fried chicken? <laughs> carrots and peas, vegetables. Now block up that hole. Okay, I'll cover it with a frying pan. Use a piece of wire. <laughs> wire. Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. You well enough to be outdoors now? Oh, sure. <laughs> the doctor told me to get plenty of fresh air, so I thought I'd stretch out here in my bathing suit. Bathing suit? Is that thing a bathing suit? Of course. Well, you ought to get a new one. They're not wearing them with bloomers anymore. I've got helium in these bloomers. I'm not going to sink. Besides, the moss chewed the elbow out of your left sleeve. Mary, it so happens that I lost the elbow out of that sleeve when attacked by a man-eating shark in Lake Michigan. A shark in Lake Michigan? All right, it was a perch. <laughs> in, in mating season, they're vicious. Anyway, Mary... Isn't it, isn't it beautiful out here today? <laughs> Look at those birds. Aren't they cute? <laughs> There's always a louse in every crowd. <laughs> what is that for? Well, I don't blame him. The idea of having a penny peanut machine out here for birds. <laughs> That's for people, not birds. We had a worm machine out here, but they crawled out for nothing. <laughs> I gotta have that fixed. Are you going in for a dip in the pool, Miss Livingston? Uh, not now, Rochester. I think I'll wait till later. If you're smart, Mary, you'll go in now. Oh, that's right. The prices change at 12 o'clock. <laughs> not that, but the pool gets crowded later in the afternoon. We have the same prices all day. I just got a load of that silly sign you got out front. Swim at Denny's for 20 pennies. <laughs> Mary, I have a lovely pool. There's no reason why I shouldn't share it with people. Naturally, I have to make a nominal charge to pay for Here the... Here comes the customer, boss. Oh, yes. Pull those palm leaves off the cash register. Well, good morning, young man. Good morning, Mr. Benny. Is your pool open yet? Yep. This is the first day of the season, and you're the first customer. Oh, boy, the first customer. Then I get the free swim. No, no, I'm sorry, young man. I've discontinued that policy this year. <laughs> uh, sorry. That's all right. The whole world is changing. <laughs> yes, it is, it is. Well, here's my 15 cents. See you later, Mr. Benny. Oh, oh, just a minute, bud. On account of the laundry situation, I'm making a small charge for towels this year. That'll be 20 cents and all. But I brought my own towel. I'm sorry. You'll have to check that. But, Mr. Benny... You see, kid, you see, if I let people bring in towels, I won't know who's taking mine out. <laughs> but that doesn't seem very... Next, please. Next. There's no one behind him. Quiet. Uh, 20 cents out of a quarter. Here's your nickel change, kid. Here, take your nickel. Keep it. You'll think of something. <laughs> take it. Oh, attendant, show this gentleman to his locker. Yes, sir. Right this way, sir. Can I bring you a scotch and soda, sir? Rochester. You see that he gets just one towel. Remember last year, there were a lot of them missing. Yes, sir. No, Mary, I have a feeling this is going to be my best season. Well, I think you opened too early. It's pretty chilly yet to go in swimming. Oh, there's a little ice around the edge of the pool, but out in the center it's all open water. Uh-oh, here come some more customers. It's Don Wilson and Phil Harris. Well, they better be customers if they know what's good for them. Well, good morning, gentlemen. Welcome to Benny's Bathing Pool. Hiya, Jackson. Mary. Hello, Jack. How's your cold coming along? Oh, I feel fine, Don. I'll be back on the program tomorrow as Master of Ceremonies. Ain't we going to have Orson Welles on the show? Definitely not. I'm going to handle the show myself. Back to the corn, huh? 
Well, for a guy with a wife, a baby, and no talent, you're taking an awful chance. <laughs> now, give me 20 cents. You're going in for a swim. Swimming that icy water? What are you trying to do? Sober me up? <laughs> Isn't so cold, Phil. I dove in myself this morning, didn't I, Rochester? Yeah, but that quarter on the bottom of the pool turned out to be a bottle cap. <laughs> well, the way the light hit it, it really fooled me. How about you, Don? Are you going in for a swim? Oh, uh, I don't know, Jack. The water in the pool seems awfully low. Believe me, Don, when you get in, Mary and I will have to move to higher ground. <laughs> now, give me 40 cents for you and Phil. Okay, here you are. Thank you. Take those lockers, number three and five there, on the end, fellas. Okay, Jackson. Well, three customers already. It isn't even noon yet. <laughs> oh, for Rochester. <laughs> Rochester, what are you doing with that? <laughs> Rochester, what are you doing with that chicken? What's that, boy? I said, what are you doing with that chicken? I was just searching it to see if it had any towels. <laughs> <laughs> Throw that bird over the fence. Okay. So long, lunch. <laughs> Rochester, if I told you once, I told you ten times, don't annoy Mr. Coleman's chickens. If any of those hens are missing, he'll blame us. That's what you said about his grapefruit, and he has yet to mention it. <laughs> well, it so happens, Rochester, that the grapefruit hit the ground on my side of the fence. Yes, sir. That coal chute worked out fine. <laughs> now, Rochester, if you don't... Well, here comes Dennis. Hello, kid. Sorry I'm late, Mr. Benny. Are there many customers here? No, only three so far. Good. Then I'll have time for a dip in the pool first. Dennis, if you read your contract with Benny Bathing Pool Incorporated, you will find that Clause B stipulates that you are to supply entertainment whether our customers here or not. Now, let's have a song. But, Mr. Benny, that contract also says that I'm supposed to be the lifeguard. So what? Well, gee, if I'm the lifeguard, I'd better learn to swim. I worry about things like that. <laughs> Look, it's sing your song, bring in some customers. You can learn to swim later. Now, go ahead. Let's have your song. <laughs>
a swell, Dennis. In fact, I want you to do that song on the uh, program tomorrow. Okay. Can I go in the pool now, Mr. Benny? Yes, but don't dive in the shallow end. I've got rice planted there, you know. <laughs> By the way, kid, I've been meaning to, uh, to talk to you about something. I heard you on the Eddie Cantor program last week. How was it? I wasn't home that night. <laughs> well, naturally. Now, Dennis, who gave you permission to go on Cantor's program? Orson Welles, that's who. Orson Welles! <laughs> well, watch it, kid. Or from now on, you'll be working for Orson Welles. Now, go for a swim before you think that over. <laughs> you know, I got a great idea, Mary. What my pool needs is a little glamour. Do you think, uh, you think you could get some of your girlfriends to come over? Well, I don't know, Jack. Sure you could. Call up Barbara Stanwyck and Ann Southern and Claudette Colbert and invite them over for a swim. Of course, I don't think I ought to charge them, do you? Look, Jack, if you get those gals in your pool, you can bottle the water and sell it for $10 a quart. <laughs> Where can you get corks nowadays? <laughs> There's a shortage, sister. Well, what do you know? The sun is finally coming out. <laughs> yeah, why don't you take off your glasses and tan your tussies? Mary, stop making fun of my ensemble, will you? Uh-oh, stay, boss. Here comes that crazy board of yours. Rochester, how many times do I have to tell you that Mr. Billingsley is not crazy? Yeah, hey, did you see him at breakfast this morning? No, what happened at breakfast? He swallowed a raw egg and then drank boiling water for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> He was in a hurry, that's all. Well, hello, Mr. Billingsley. Hello, Mr. Benny. One of the bloomer girls, I see. <laughs> no, 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 Mr. Billingsley. This, uh, this is a bathing suit. I'm out here drinking in the sunshine. Drinking in the sunshine. I'll get a bottle and join you. <laughs> oh, you misunderstand. I mean, I'm out here getting a tan. Old Sal just came out. Oh, yes. Old Sal Wurzel. Been east, hasn't he? (laughs) Good old Sal. He'll love that one. I'll never get out of this. I better change the subject. By the way, Mr. Billingsley... Mr. Billingsley, I see you have your bathing suit on. Are you going for a plunge? Oh, I'd love to, but I left my plunger at the Mocambo. <laughs> well, goodbye, Mr. Benny. Goodbye. Oh, she's living in Anaheim. <laughs> Good old Mr. Billingsley. By the way, Rochester, he's supposed to pay his board today. Did you collect it? No, he said the money won't be dry till tomorrow. That's my fault. I should never have given him that printing press for Christmas. Hey, kids, get a load of Don and me in these bathing suits. Yeah, don't we look like a couple of Adonises? Don, you alone look like a couple of Adonises. (laughs) Say, Phil, that's an unusual bathing suit for a man to be wearing. Where'd you get it? Ain't it a beaut? Alice wore it in her last picture. <laughs> Alice Faye wore that suit? Somehow on you, Phil, it doesn't inspire me. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah I'll never be elected Miss Brooklyn Navy Yard, would I? <laughs> no, but you might get runner-up on Miss Boyle Heights. <laughs> well, what are you waiting for, Don? Aren't you going to jump in the pool? Oh, I don't think so, Jack. The water looks pretty cold. Oh, come on, jump in, Don. Take a chance. Come on, Don. What are you waiting for? In you go. Look out, Don. He's going to push it. Oh, Phil, stop that. What are you... Oh, Stop, stop, well, then, come on, jump in, okay, jump in. Okay, here I go. Oh, oh, watch it, Mary, watch it. Watch what? Get up on the chair. Here comes a wave. <laughs> Ooh, that, that water's cold. Well, here's 20 cents, Jack. I'm soaked to the skin. Thank you. That water's got chlorine in it. I hope it didn't ruin my victory garden. Well, your, your garden's all right. But say, Jack, what's Rochester putting up in the middle of it? Where? Well, I'll be darned. Rochester, take that off. But, boss. Take that off the scarecrow. But, boss, the crows here in Beverly Hills are very ritzy. I don't care. Take my tuxedo off that scarecrow. <laughs> now take it off. Your diamond stick pin, too? <laughs> Everything. I want that tuxedo. Suppose I win the Academy Award next year. What'll I wear to the banquet? If you win the Academy Award, you can go in your underwear. Who else will be there? <laughs> 
I'm liable to win the award for tomatoes alone. My garden keeps on the way it's going. Oh, you're some farmer. You and your silly experiments. Oh, they're not so silly. Remember last year? You sp- sprinkled cheese all over the ground and tried her face on rotten potatoes. <laughs> sure, I sprinkled cheese. I had an idea. <laughs> what are you giggling about? Every other gardener around here had trouble with potato bugs, but you had mice. <laughs> All right, I still say it doesn't hurt to experiment. Say, Mr. Benny, pardon me for interrupting, but would you Just mind... Just a minute, I... Dennis. You know, Mary, I wouldn't laugh about my garden if I were you. I might turn out to be another Luther Burbank. Another who? Burbank. Luther Burbank. Oh, yeah, they named Glendale after him. <laughs> they named Burbank after him. Oh, I guess I didn't analyze it. <laughs> Certainly didn't. Say, Mr. Benny, speaking of horticulture experiments, are you going to try out that idea I gave you? No, Rochester, no. I told you it would never work. Uh, what was his idea, Jack? Oh, Rochester wanted to irrigate the lemon trees with gin and grow Tom Collins. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it would never have worked. Now, Dennis, what was it you started to ask me? Well, can I phone my girlfriend and have her come over here for a swim? It's very important that I see her in a bathing suit. Why? Why do you have to see your girl in a bathing suit? Well, there's a rumor going around that she's got knocked knees, and I can't tell by listening. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your girl's name, Dennis? Mary Bell Buzzer. <laughs> Mary Bell Buzzer. Oh, yeah, she has got... I mean, bring her around, Dennis. (laughs) Bring her around anytime. Say, Jackson, here comes your medico. My what? Your medico. That's doctor for Latin. That's Latin for doctor. (laughs) Well, hello, Doc. Well, well, and how's my little patient? Shall we take that nasty cast off your leg today? (laughs) Look, doctor, I had a cold. You cured me, and I feel fine. Now, how much do I owe you? How much? Yes. What's my bill? Uh, just a minute. Now, where did I put that hypodermic needle? I don't need a hypodermic. I can take it like a man. Now, how much do I owe you? Well, there was a prescription for cough medicine, which cost $2. Uh-huh. Then there were three sofa tablets, which sold for 10 cents apiece. That's $2.30 so far. What else? Uh, you bit my thermometer in two while listening to the Fred Allen program. That's a dollar and a quarter. It was worth it. Now, what's the total, Doc? Well, including six visits to your house, the whole thing comes to $45,000. Now, wait a minute, Doc. Aren't you starting a little high? That's the only way I'll get ten bucks, and you know it. (laughs) Ten bucks. Well, that's more like it. Now, I'll tell you what, Doc. This is the grand opening of my swimming pool today. Now, how'd you like to take a free swim and call the whole thing even? Good. I'll dive right in now. Hey, wait a minute, Doctor. Not there. That's the shallow end. Whoop! <coughs> bump my head. <laughs> doctor, Doctor, come out of there. Doctor, you're ruining my rice bed. <coughs> doctor. <coughs> doctor, come out of... Rochester, put down that chicken. <coughs> doctor, come out of that pool. <coughs> Rochester, put down that... Rochester. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly what happened yesterday at the grand opening of Jack's swimming pool. That's right, Dom. My rice bed was ruined, but we had fried chicken for dinner. Play, Phil.
Love Coffee, I Love Tea, played by Phil Harris and his boys, who have yet to drink coffee or tea out of anything but a saucer. <laughs> I might even have said who have yet to drink either coffee or tea. <laughs> but I've been sick and I'm sweet now. Hmm? Yeah. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we have something of great interest uh, to all of you. In a few moments... You better be sweet. What? Look, Jackson, I don't care whether you've been sick or not. Lay off them wisecracks. Hmm. In a few moments, ladies and gentlemen... From now on, be a gentleman. If you can't say something derogatory about my boys, don't say nothing. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll be derogatory. And now, ladies and gentlemen... You don't even know what derogatory means. Derogatory? Derogatory means tending to or the nature of derogation, disparagement, or detraction. Uh, Dennis, that's Don Wilson's line. I thought there was something wrong here. <laughs> Ah, folks, what other program has such bottlenecks? <laughs> what a dodo. Wait a minute, Jack. You don't appreciate Dennis. I think he's a very nice boy. Sure he's a nice boy, Mary, but he doesn't have to... Why, Loretta! Oh, for heaven's sake, Loretta Young, ladies and gentlemen. Well, we've been expecting you, Loretta, and folks, the few words that Miss Young has to say to us are of vital importance. Thank you, Jack. Here's something I would like to ask everyone to think of. To think of when you go to bed tonight. Think of this as you lift the window and smell the night air and look out at the stars. Think of this. There are thousands of little shacks in the Philippines that are empty tonight. There are thousands of little cottages like yours in Yugoslavia, Greece, China, Russia... Empty tonight. Where have all the people gone? Why didn't you know? They are dead. You are still alive. Your blood is warm. The face you love is there on the pillow in the dusk of the room. And everything is so quiet and still and, and beautiful. That's worth saving, isn't it? Others are dying in order to save it for you. Then is our country asking too much? When it asks you to become a part of a second war loan, $13 billion for a task, for the invasion of Europe, how much can you spare? How much can you invest? How many war bonds can you buy today? Well, ask yourself those questions as you stand at your window tonight and smell the fresh, clean night air and look out at the stars. Ordered in Drexel 7211. What you said has brought home to us the importance of buying war bonds. Thank you. The Basic Seven. You're reading about them in the papers, you're hearing about them on the radio. The Basic Seven groups of foods, which our new national nutrition program tells us we should all have every day. And featured in this basic seven are whole grain cereals. Cereals such as Grape Nuts Flakes. Yes, delicious toasty brown Grape Nuts Flakes are a whole grain cereal, the kind of food your government urges you to eat at least once a day. Every ser serving of Grape Nuts Flakes and milk provides whole grain nourishment, including minerals, proteins, vitamins, and carbohydrates. Besides, Grape Nuts Flakes are plentiful, thrifty, unrationed. So do as Uncle Sam urges you to do. Get the basic seven into your daily diet, including more whole grain cereals. And for tops and delicious flavor, make it Grape Nuts Flakes. Remember, you don't give up a single precious ration stamp when you buy Grape Nuts Flakes. Good night, everybody. The Jack Benny program is written by Bill Meyer and Ed Ballard. Well, everyone, we have come to another end of our show, and I really hope you all enjoyed it. Thanks for being with me today, and thank God I do not have to do this show, uh, this podcast live. Yeah, phew. 
yes, I record and then I edit and edit and edit, but you know, I love technology. Well, my friends, I wish you the great rest of your week. And I'm really sorry this show was late. We had some tech difficulties and was moving some stuff around. So um, anyway, you get some shows twice this week. We'll have one at the end of the week also. So um, I appreciate you joining me today. You can listen to the old radio companion on any of your favorite podcast stations. And please visit the website. Um, You can use your search engine, just Google the old radio companion. You can go to the website. uh, You can check things out. You can also uh, leave a gift if you want to subscribe and support the show. Um, If not, just keep listening and loving it. And I hope it puts some happiness and joy into your week. You will not want to miss our next show because it's our 4th of July show. It's always a great show. You can celebrate the 4th of July by listening to the old radio companion. And it is about our first American flag and the woman who made it all happen or not. So show up and find out. It'll be a great show. Well, my friends, it was great to be with you today. And I'll be with you soon again. And as always, this is Jay Lewis off the air. 